Revelation chapter 6 verse 7. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. One last time. Look back to Revelation 4-7. The Savior has broken the fourth seal on the scroll. Just then, the apostle hears a familiar voice. This time, it is the voice of an eagle. It is interesting that the first time the eagle is mentioned in Scripture is in Leviticus 11. In association with other foods, the Lord declares in various translations as detestable, abhorrent, an abomination, or unclean. A broader view of the chapter reveals that the description applies to the eating of an eagle. Move ahead to the book of Deuteronomy, where one first finds the nutritional law regarding the eagle repeated. Further still, in chapter 28, verse 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle a nation whose language you do not understand. Here, God on Mount Ebal includes the eagle in the imagery of one of the curses pronounced on the Israelites in the event of their disobedience. In contrast, Moses includes this in a song found in Deuteronomy 32. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. In just one book of the Bible, the eagle progresses from an unacceptable food to a symbol of terror, to the comforting image of a protecting parent. In his revelation, Christ invokes the composite of the vision of the eagle who screeches the now familiar single word command, Come! In verse 8. John reports what he sees. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. 
and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. The color of the horse has caused translators difficulties for centuries. The problem, it seems, is not language. John, writing in Kwana Greek, renders the horse as having a pale green hue. The imagery is sickly, blending with the name given the fourth horseman, Death. Also, don't miss the rider's companion, Hades. We just thought we were observing translator issues with the color of the horse. Here, the name Hades gets conflated by some with the word hell. Let's not rush past the Greek understanding of Hades. Hades was one of their gods. The name also applied to the place where the dead went to await judgment. The Hebrews called this place Sheol. In the context of Revelation 6, though, death and Hades are entities of mobility. Remember back to chapter 1, when Christ declares in verse 18, I have the keys of death and of Hades. Sounds like Jesus defeated these two enemies at the cross. Because he did. So, here in John's vision, death and Hades are returning from their patrol of the earth. From Zechariah 6 6, the dappled horses went to the south country. Unfortunately, as God granted Satan limited authority on, in the life of Job, so Jesus Christ grants in the second part of verse 8. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. Two of the instruments with which death and Hades are inflicting death over a fourth of the earth are continuations of the damage done by the second and third horsemen. The sword and famine are consequences of warfare initiated by the first rider. The fourth horseman and his companion unleash pestilence. Read this, disease or plague. This horrible affliction is yet another consequence of warfare. The last weapon authorized for use by the fourth rider deserves special mention. The wild beasts of the earth bring to mind a couple of stories, one biblical and the other historical. The prophet Daniel prospered 
in the Babylonian kingdom of Darius, much like Joseph in Egypt centuries before. The difference in Daniel's case was incurring the jealousy of fellow commissioners and satraps who convinced Darius to establish an injunction against anyone who worshipped any god but the king himself. The penalty for violation was for the offender to be cast into a den containing lions, or, if you prefer, wild beasts. Daniel, because of his worship of the one true God, was convicted under the injunction and was cast into the lion's den. No one but Daniel counted on the divine protection of the living God, who sent an angel to close the mouths of the lions. Daniel was spared. The conspirators were not. Fast forward centuries after the ministry, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the followers of the risen Christ were persecuted for their faith. First, by the Jewish elite in Judea, then by the Romans. The Romans, ostensibly owing to the extent of their empire, became notoriously creative in the means of executing criminals and other enemies of the state. Christians, almost singularly, were a prime target of the Roman emperors. About a year ago, in the same series, we discovered one of the primary sources of Christian persecution, a fire in Rome in 64 AD that ultimately was blamed on the Christians a popular crime for which large numbers of followers of Christ were condemned to die, was their refusal to worship the emperor. You see, a number of Roman emperors believed themselves to be gods. Therefore, worshippers of anyone but Caesar were blasphemers and were condemned to damnatio ad bestias, condemnation to the wild beasts. It takes little imagination to appreciate what was involved. The unfortunate condemned was literally placed in an arena with wild animals, yeah, even including the proverbial lions. The result was more often than not inevitable. What made this manner of execution particularly egregious was the approval of the Roman citizenry. You see, Domnadio ad bestias 
became a spectator event. First in the Roman circus, ultimately in the Colosseum. Watching a human being bald, destroyed, and devoured by wild animals was considered in ancient Rome to be entertainment. Such is the consequence of an out-of-control state supported by an out-of-control citizenry. Thus, we have revealed to us by Jesus Christ, through his favored disciple and designated son of his mother, Mary, the dark and sinister nature of fallen mankind. Each of the four horsemen of the apocalypse reveals various aspects of the worst of humanity. And those who either actively or tacitly support their actions. The first rider, the conqueror. The second rider, the warrior. The third rider, the purveyor of famine. The end result is death and his sidekick, Hades. Christ is holding up a mirror to us all. Our choice is life, eternal, by repentance of our sins or death eternal separation from God and exclusion from his promised kingdom. For those who believe and discern under the power and authority of the word of God, along with the faithful direction of the Holy Spirit, the fourth challenge revealed when the Lamb broke the fourth seal, is overcome. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.